0: So we'll begin today with something (coughs) that we mentioned last time in passing, but has, has such importance. There's a statement in the Gemara that there's two statements. One is that there were 48 male prophets and seven female prophetesses, and the other is that there were a million prophets in Israel. So, a big difference. Yeah, it's a big difference. So, as it usually happens when you have statements like this, it's not that one is right and one is wrong, but they're talking about different things. The 48 and 7 are talking about prophets who brought a specific message whose meaning is eternal. In other words, there was an aspect of eternal relevance to their words and therefore the the sages uh, chose these prophets uh, to to quote in what we call the Tanakh the definition that I brought last time that for me also is uh, very very revealing from the Ramchal next week we're going to quote the Ramchal extensively because in his book, Derech Hashem he has an entire section on prophecy it's one of the clearest explanations all uh, in one place condensed into one place as to what the prophetic experience is and he said there that prophecy and we'll get to this I'm just mentioning in passing it he makes a distinction between what's called Ruach, of Kodesh, which literally means uh, Holy Spirit, we usually translate it uh, Divine Inspiration. And prophecy. They're very close to each other, but there there is a difference. And he said about prophecy that... Even though many times a prophet was given a message by God for the people, he says very, very clearly that prophet, that this is not uh, a necessity. This is not a defining uh, factor in what you would call a prophet or the prophetic experience. And he explains very clearly that prophecy... The way it's used classically, and that's how we we'll understand when it said there, are a million, there were a million prophets in Israel means what we call the Devekut means cl- literally clinging to God and so <coughs> there's a very, very <coughs> strong tradition in Jewish history, to try to attain a consciousness where one unites or clings to God. This, the Ramchal said, is prophecy.
1: So if that's the case, then it would seem that there would be prophets now. Ah.
0: Okay, so that we will definitely get to. Uh, There is... I would, I would put it a little bit differently. I would say we do not have prophets now, but we still have a sense of prophecy. Every person has a sense. That's one of the things we're going to be investigating. So yes, uh, what the Ramchala is really telling us is that even though the age of the prophets ended long ago, prophecy as a as being defined as a uh, mystical or godly experience, is still uh, available. It's still accessible. So that's what they meant that there were a million prophets in the zone. Now this is uh, really worth delving into in what's called Simcha Beta Shoeva, which we're, we'll call on the all-night the original all-night party, the all-night <laughs> celebrations that took place at the temple <coughs> during Sukkot and they literally were all night because they would in the beginning of the evening they would draw the water from the water source below you well, was we think of it as below Yerushalayim, it was within the walls then from the, Mei, yeah, the Silwan or Mei, Mea shiloach, and they would in a very joyous procession literally dance up to the temple with this water and then all night long they would be celebrating mostly around music music and dancing and then in the morning they would pour the water onto the altar as uh, has many different levels of meaning but the simplest is a prayer for rain the circus is when we go over from Morita Tal to Mashiva Ruach and Morita and we're told in the Mishnah that the world is judged for water on Sukkot but the, the sages said, what were they drawing on, on Sukkot? Ruach HaKodesh
2: mm-hmm.
0: that's what they were drawing that the water represented on a higher level a divine flow from above to below.
1: Yeah. Mm. Um, this is a more mundane question. Um, if they poured water on the altar how did they then do the sacrifices if it was all wet and it couldn't <laughs> be lit?
2: Okay, that's a good
0: question. We know that the fire... Is a different altar? Yeah. No, it's not a different altar. The fire never went out, but they didn't necessarily pour it onto the fire. First of all, the top of the altar was not, so, not small, and they actually had a number of fires on the altar. So we assume, I mean, it's a good question, we assume they poured it in a place that it wasn't right in the middle of the bonfire.
2: Okay
1: if Hashem no not
2: yet
0: Hashem is determining who is a prophet before one is over and mm-hmm. I it's not mm-hmm. okay. no Hashem is not no. that is all self-made mm. in the yes yeah mm. well, well put it this way we don't know God's thought process it could be yes that um, someone is determined from birth Um, that gets into into reincarnation and and the whole thing but in a simple understanding that's what we're going to come to is actually we shouldn't think that way because everything that I have read makes it very very clear that God, that a person has to reach a certain level before they can reach prophecy
1: right not just anyone can just walk down the street and God decides to talk to them it's not
0: like that
2: no, yeah.
0: so it could be a combination like the deep nodes we don't really know like who God determines before their birth if they are going to be a prophet it could be true it could be true but I'm just saying from from our perspective is this goes back to the million prophets in other words if they were drawing divine inspiration at the sin well there were hundreds of thousands of people there so yeah so what, what we want to understand from this and this is uh, I think very very critical that at that time, and we're talking about a long period the desire or the goal to reach prophecy was a very common uh, cultural religious um, goal and this is, this is very interesting. I mean, that's I said, a, sta- a simple statement: there were a million prophets in Israel. You could pass over without thinking. Well, what does that mean? Right. What's the ramification of that?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So the so the more that you read, so you see that. I mean, I was I was thinking this morning. Let's say um, now. I'm just using this as an example. I don't even know if it's the best example but let's say among many uh, religious youth. So they, they're they drawn, drawn towards Karl Bach Davening, and they're also drawn to, many of them, to settling the land. So I'm just using this, as if you, it's like you look at the youth and you see that there, there are these pulls, these draws towards spiritual experience. In a secular uh, way, so in the last decade, raves were a big thing. And I know because we live near Yar Ben Shemin, And sometimes in Shabbos, we hear the music all night. What do they, you get, I mean, we were all young at one point. <laughs> They get together in cars with boom boxes. They go out into the middle of the forest. There's lots of drinking, a lot of drugs, and lots of dancing. And like this is what's going on. In other words, there's like th- this pull. So going back to then,
2: do do <laughs>
0: So the feeling is back then there there were traditions and we were told there were schools of prophecy in other words these techniques of how to uh, achieve higher consciousness was like just part of the religious experience it was out there it was it was part of what people were drawn to and so therefore, in the age of the prophets, the, like I said, the, we now call it mystical. But in, in that time, especially when there were prophets, in order to teach these methods, so you can understand there were a million prophets in Israel.
1: But what defines prophecy, and how is that distinct from something that's going on now?
0: Okay, so <clears throat> without jumping too ahead, is the Ramchal says the difference between divine inspiration, Ruach HaKodesh, and prophecy is they both entail what we'll call expanded consciousness and experience. One experiences being close to God, one experiences what we call the Chiddish one experiences a deeper level of soul one receives inspiration for a song or a painting or a project or a a change in life but he says those all happen without necessarily a person Truly feeling that God is the source of this. This prophecy is very close, but part of the experience is one is uh, really overwhelmed with the experience that this is coming from God, and they know it as clear as, as they know anything as clear as you can know anything. That they have the experience that it's God who is revealing this to them or, per, or or drawing them close or providing the experience.
1: But people do have that, you know, in current times.
0: I know, that's what we said, yes.
1: ah, yeah. So, but that's uh-huh. not considered prophecy.
0: Uh, no, I, I said we don't have prophets necessarily but we still have the prophetic experience
2: uh-huh.
0: we still have the prophetic experience and
1: another way to put it is like, how could God not be part of it
0: ah, someone with divine uh, inspiration may be very aware that let's say a, a new niggin comes down to you mm-hmm. and like it's just kind of came from nowhere and you're like you're aware that you, you just were a channel but it's a little different than being overwhelmed with the, the understanding of it being from God you know, it's, it's a fine line definitely and, and the Ram cult says it's a fine line but he says that there is a difference when we go a little bit farther, uh, the Ramha makes it very clear that for a true prophetic experience, one loses control over their body. In other words, it, it's, it, it borders on being scary. No, I won't say borders. It, at least initially, it is. In other what does that
1: mean? Like yeah
0: it almost
1: sounds like, you know, um, like it, a little bit know?
0: yeah that's what it sounds like it's not
1: indicating the
2: loss of
0: sensations of your body anymore yeah the, I'm, I'm sure that could be part of it also but he explains that at least when you get to a certain level you uh, almost all the mm-hmm. sources talk about about shaking being old, like overwhelmed with an energy that is coming from, in a sense, outside of you. Yes.
3: Isn't it sounds um, very
0: shamanic. Yes, if you if you want to say it that way, yeah.
3: <laughs> it's, I mean, it's, I've no? always thought of it like a kind of like a, a complete disconnection from the body. In other words, like like in other words, the energy, one's energy, being more focused, like on the shaman, on the on the esoteric part of mm-hmm. themselves, mm-hmm. and like being very disconnected, and then they met because they're getting this new and They're getting this very powerful energy, so then that uh, kind of comes in, and then they sort of have to reconnect the, the this energy and integrate it into themselves and how they have to give it over, and and, um, and then reintegrate themselves with their bodies, which is which makes sense mm-hmm. to have shaking or you know or just a, a kind of Mm-hmm. Like
0: an abruptness, even a stupid thing. Yeah, the idea is that <coughs> um, that at a certain point you get beyond that, you get beyond that. But um, yeah, it's like, it, it, when you read the descriptions, it's. Um <coughs> I think we were talking a, a few weeks ago about everyone has this romantic idea of being a sadhik and like, what a great thing it is, it, which it is, it
3: would make nice sense, but, but I'm
0: just saying that, that <laughs> you know, a, a more realistic thing is that, that exotic, um has to carry so much pain of, of people
2: mm-hmm.
0: that uh, it's, it, it's astounding that that's why they're Tzadik, because they can do it. But the same thing with Nibua, it's very easy to think, ah, Right, be a prophet.
1: I'll
0: just, I'll just give you an example. But no, no, that's true. I mean, I
1: don't know many such seem to know, but <laughs> from you <laughs> know, learning over years and listening to different cultures and their ways of reaching God, I would imagine that at the level of the study, part of your way of being in the world is such that.
3: You
0: are there with others, but your oneness is so extreme that you're beyond like, the pain and the suffering. Right? Mm-hmm. you in a higher place. Hmm? in a higher place. I mean, that's, you know that's true. It's true. I'll just give you one story as an example. One story as an example that it was one of the uh, Chabad rabbis. And. <coughs> His gabai notice. I mean, there was this constant flow of people at you know certain times of the day, and uh, he would notice that the Rebbe would be sweating profusely. Didn't matter if it was cold out, hot, perfect weather, sweating profusely. So once he asked him, um, like, why? Why is this? So he said, when someone comes in, the only way I can really help them is if I take off my clothes. He was talking symbolically, and I step into their clothes to really. In other I, I can't help them if I don't feel their their dilemma, their pain. So he said. It's not easy changing your clothes so many times a day. <laughs> so, in other words, yeah, yes, if, if he wasn't an ascetic, then he couldn't deal with it at all, no one would be coming to him, anyways. But yes, he is beyond it. He is beyond it. But <coughs> from the, I mean, uh, uh, from a few saddikim that I've known, uh, Yes, they're full of joy and, and inspire people, but there's also a side of them that just feels the pain of the world so profoundly that you, you can see it in them. You can, you can see it in them. Because they really want to help. Right? They, they really want to help. And to do that, they have to feel that, that pain.
3: There are many stories of the brother's wife of and the last and and from her stories of living with him so it gives a very interesting look into the life of a so mm-hmm. didn't do mm-hmm. normal things. And, um, I think I, I would go a lot there with what Heidi said about being from like a higher place but at the same time I would say that there's like times for things and times mm-hmm. for you know, feeling intense sadness and intense pain and, and and when Rebbe would talk so then when he would speak about Eretz Yisrael you know, he, he would cry you know, like when I was a little kid and I would hear him speaking we lived in London and we'd hear it on the headphones mm-hmm. and um, so I would know that if he was talking about Israel or about Russia you know, the plight of Jews in certain places he would be crying, he would be talking and he would be crying the entire mm-hmm. time yeah. And, um, and, um, and, 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 on, and on the other hand, like within the same sikha, the same thing that we would be talking So then he would then go to a very high place and, and uh, you know, there are things that could be done and ways of thought that would be know, high and above
0: it. No, for sure. That's the juggling act.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Right. That's the juggling act is to be totally here and with the people and feeling the pain and at the same time, never lose that, that unity with God, that faith, that inspiration, the trust. I mean, the whole time. And it's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a real juggling
2: act.
0: Mm-hmm. Right? The whole world is a very narrow path.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, what you said it before, that, uh, that in prophecy they're overwhelmed with the experience that it's coming from Hashem. So doesn't that basically take away their free choice? Hmm.
0: Yes, I would say at that, mo- I don't know if you could say take away, or just that their will has been totally united with God's will. So, but
1: that's a basic, basic, uh, just human attribute that, that that God gave us that, that we all have free choice. So how could how could somebody? Use? I mean, I mean, they're are at a very very high level. But well, let me just
0: let me just say here that all of the sources there are extreme warnings about all of these practices that could bring a person to this this level there, there are always um, many many warnings many 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 warnings that, that one does not approach this lightly or um, light-headedly and just, it's, it's, it's not what that's not what it's for and they can always say no at the
1: last
3: second right?
0: theoretically theoretically and in fact the uh, a number of different sources say that uh, someone who goes in <coughs> to these deep states of consciousness which we'll switch gears and start talking about that that they should have either a guide or someone that they're doing with it. that should they should not do it alone You should not do it alone.
1: An individual's experience of something, an individual's feeling of something, it feels very dangerous to make that, that the, I don't know, the proof or the expression of prophecy or of something, meaning that people feel all kinds of things. They experience all kinds of things. Um... You know, I mean, through drugs or through, you know, all all kinds of, you know, like, this idea, I mean, it comes up a lot in life, like, a feeling is an effect that you feel something, you know, and to how, like, See, how do you place the experience? How do you place the feeling? You know, you really have prophecy. Yes. As exactly. Opposed to just okay. exactly.
0: Okay, so that is a, an excellent question, and the Torah deals with this in, in Bam bark I think that was at the very end of last week's class. We talked about that one of the sources in the Torah is if there arises among you a false prophet. So the first question is. How can how can someone in other words how can someone reach such a high level and then end up being a false prophet? Mm-hmm. So the Torah continues by saying even even more extreme, and he get, and he performs a miracle
2: mm-hmm.
0: and or gives you a sign and it comes true.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So then they ask again, how could it be that a false prophet could perform a miracle? And then the Torah continues and saying and he comes and he tells you, come, let's worship other gods. So so the Torah continues by saying that you should know that I am testing you and do not follow this prophet. So there are many questions about this. So what we learn from this, what we learn from this is that these experiences, as you're saying, like almost everything in life, they can go many different directions. One of the greatest prophets in the Torah was Bilo.
2: Right.
0: He had prophecy. God spoke with him. And not only that, but in, in the whole Torah, he gives the clearest prophecies of what we call the end of days and Mashiach he prophesies about Mashiach so this is why what we said a few minutes ago that all of the sources talk about uh, warning people that, that there is this energy there is this level you can reach But reaching there is no guarantee what you'll do with it. In other words the energy is there it's available a person has to work very very hard to get there unless like you said unless maybe because of a previous lifetime they come into this life and they just they have a certain sense you see it in the world there are people who are called psychics or other things like that and they do they do have a certain a certain a certain power they've done all kinds of uh, scientific tests on, on, on different people and there are people who have certain powers that and they didn't even necessarily even work for them
1: the wonderment they have is so much bigger when we learn Torah I don't think we really differentiate there, if the Torah is coming from intellectual concepts or sensorial concepts, okay, the emotions being revealed that speak spoken in these words. Because I know the thought says that prophecy is imagination, it's not an intellectual experience. So, were people living at that time? Through these other means, just day to day. And we've taken on an intellectual pursuit, you know, when science and religion started having all controversy and Descartes, you mm-hmm. mm-hmm. know, like this level of how they live life, from which place, because our pursuit is so much mm-hmm. to bring them together. Mm-hmm. And if you're living through the imagination, to philosophy, and experience, it isn't your intellect that's
0: revealing and I don't understand the complicated channels at all uh, I, to be honest we're going to get to that next week in, 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 in greater detail there's the, the connection between the intellect the emotions and the imagination in this whole experience but what you're saying is true in other words there are these warnings in fact Rebbe Akiva when the four went into the Pargas, he all, he warned them, and these were the highest sages who had spent a lifetime of preparing to reach these high levels, and he he warned them also. He said, "When you, because the nature of experience is relatively subjective, and if your soul is, is unrectified, so you may have the experience." And it could do you tremendous damage and that's why the warning is there that's why the warning is there but on the other hand there's no doubt that the prophetic as we call it experience it is an experience
2: mm-hmm.
0: and it's it's it can go either way it can go either way we're told actually since this is a woman's class that this is very, very connected to women because the name Chava is connected to the word experience. Chavaya. Mm -hmm. Chavaya. Mm -hmm. And and we're told that that was the whole... She was drawn to the the snake's uh, cunning because of this desire of of experience. Of experience. And so, I believe we learned with dreams, and we'll see how this connects, that remember we learned that it says in the Gemara that dreams are one sixtieth of prophecy. And we learned how connected the imagination is to dreams. And then we learned that the more a person's imagination is clarified, then the clearer, in a sense, the dreams are as far as messages, as far as being life-changing experiences because the the less rectified our ma- imagination is, the more confusion comes out in the dream.
2: Mm-hmm. Rectified meaning our um, imagination is
0: rectified? Meaning that we work at channeling our thoughts and our emotions as if all day long we're angry and frustrated and Mm -hmm. passion driven so when we go to sleep what are we going to dream about right right? Right. Right. so if we work on our meat out Mm -hmm. and our personality and our characteristics and and we we meditate and we daven and we learn and we do mitzvot and we try to live a life of of holiness and purity so we're told for example the the Arizal that when he would go to sleep at night every night he would choose a different Beit Midrash above to learn in and he would learn with the prophets with the abos, with the sages, with the mystics. So for him, because he was on such a level in his waking conscious state that when he went to sleep at night he was still in charge. He was still in charge. His unconscious was so rectified and it's, it's clear to him that uh, many of his revelations were received in those experiences. I don't know if you remember the story I told that one time he asked his student to wake him up from a Shabbos nap and the student comes and the Arizal is sleeping and his lips are moving and he was a little bit afraid to wake him up because you know who knows what he's <laughs> experiencing now but he asked him to wake him up at a certain time so he had permission and he did and then he asked the Arizal can I ask? No, uh, no, did you realize that your lips were moving? So I said, yes, I know. He said, can I ask what, what was happening? Mm-hmm. So he said, I was, during my nap, I was learning in one of the yeshiva the lamana. So he said, what were you learning? He said, Parsha. He said, can you tell me something that you learned? And he he said he said, if I had eighty years, it would not be enough to tell you what I just learned. And my half an hour Sabbath love. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so here we
0: see the connection which we're gonna to have to pursue. We're only bringing up now the imagination, emotions, intellect, experience, and prophecy. Like how they're all woven together. But just to wrap up this segment, I'm just emphasizing again that all the sources emphasize the idea of schools of prophecy that people would spend a lifetime learning different techniques which we're going to touch upon right not not so much not so much uh let's call we'll call it from a more academic point of view to understand well okay what are what techniques did they use that we that we will get into right not so much Really to 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 practice them, though you know maybe someday we'll be on that level, but more just to understand what are we what are we talking about? Are some go
1: ahead? This is kind of shattering my my view of prophecy, if I may say, because I've always you know had the understanding that, you know, a person is called on by God to be a prophet,
0: and... Um but, that, but it's not a contradiction.
2: Yeah.
0: When a person reaches a certain level, then God calls upon them to be a prophet. That's why okay. so again, what we said before is having a message given to someone by God is one manifestation of prophecy. But it's not actually the main, because really we're talking about a handful of people that God came with a specific message for the Jewish people, with Yonah, for Nineveh, for through especially Isaiah for all mankind. But these these are really the
2: These
0: are really the 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 exceptions. But but why did your concept think this? Most of ours did. Because the small handful of prophets had such an influence on Jewish society at the time, on world literature, and world consciousness they had, they had their words to the, that, that's what he said that they, those were the ones who were chosen because we read their haf, the Haftorahs every week and we still see like wow it's like they're, they're talking to me they're talking to our generation can't
2: believe it somebody like Einstein who probably a very close and
1: somewhat relationship with God I know he's known to have said something he said before which is if I could only know God's thoughts the rest is detail mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: do you think he was in some way with His understanding of quantum mechanics and physics and seeing so
0: beyond and letting go so much that he was a prophet in some way I don't know a prophet I, I would definitely no I would definitely say would he was um God, <coughs> there was divine inspiration there in other words the the way that he was able to look at the world—that really no one till t- him had been able to do that—and then to prove that what he was seeing was it was reality—is uh, I, def- I would definitely say that there was a divine inspiration there.
2: Okay.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I quote him in almost every book that I write the, the concept of the unified field theory mm-hmm. is, is such a, a, a Jewish revelation
2: mm-hmm.
0: What well, he revealed and it's accepted by all of science now that there is a unity in the physical universe that underlies everything and it ties it all together. It's all one. Like this is like, (laughs) (laughs) right? (laughs) And something that we will be learning is, uh, which I find to be an amazing idea, but it's brought down very, very clearly that, except for some exceptions, you read the prophets; it says God says this, and God says that, and God says this, and God says that. But what we're told is that the prophet has a prophetic experience, meaning they're clinging to God. <coughs> they're clinging to God, and they're receiving. I said there are exceptions where where God will just, in the, in the very clear words, will say something to a prophet but what's, what's brought down is that the prophet has this experience where at the moment like there's nothing concrete it's the experience it's something that's beyond words then we'll, we'll say in, in the language the prophet comes down and but he remembers everything and then he begins to express it this is the point I wanted to get to through his unique or her unique personality experience imagination parable allegory and I I find this very very fascinating because it's not like God says tell the people Because we know very clearly that the words of the prophets they're not what we call uh, written by God Mm -hmm. in other words the prophet takes this experience that's what we tried to say before maybe this is helping to explain that the difference between Ruach HaKodesh and prophecy well Ruach HaKodesh you have this inspiration and it's, it's and like you know it's coming from God but you're not it's not the same thing as this type of of Unity with God, which so overwhelms you that you're, you're, when you come to express it, you know that these these are the words of God. They're coming through you, through your imagination, through, and especially because of parable and allegory, because the prophets talked them parable and allegory, but each one was an individual we asked about free will before because each one had you know their own special personality and so therefore in a sense God was trusting them to be able to phrase it in a way that the people would understand the best
1: um, there's a perplexing um gap even with with the prophets about how people heard the message and what their resistance was to hearing the message and what their resistance was to doing what the message might have informed them. And I think in our modern age, since we're past the age of prophets, um, we tend to look at people who ha- have been touched by something and they get up on their soapbox in the middle of the... At the street corner and there the world is ending and repent and whatever. And <laughs> we look at people who take on a prophetic persona as crazy and psychotic. And sometimes we commit them to mental asylum and <coughs> drug them. And
2: so.
0: Okay, so for this we need a, a well-known statement that at when the age of prophecy ended, so then, the sage is also one of. Does this mean that prophecy ends? Mm-hmm. Like for example, uh, we might have we might have learned this. Rabbi Yochanan about dreams said if, if you have a dream in the early morning, then it's more likely to come true than if it was early in 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 the evening in, in the dream. And he called this minor prophecy.
2: Mm-hmm
0: now Rabbi Yochanan lived hundreds of years after the prophets
2: Hmm.
0: but he he termed it minor prophecy and then they said so after the age of the prophets they said prophecy still exists but it was given to children and crazy people
4: Hmm. (laughs) as it says now
0: because you people mentioned like this idea of when the, the the ultimate prophetic experience where one loses control so we tend to think Mm -hmm. you said shamanism Mm -hmm. and there's other things that we can think of where a person becomes possessed Mm -hmm. or taken over by a different force Mm -hmm. so again the, the lines are very very thin here the lines are thin because in all those traditions they are inviting it doesn't just happen. They, they go through a whole process in order to reach that.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: They open themselves up to it. Ah, so the idea of giving it to, to crazy people... <coughs> So that goes to what you said before, because a lot of people at the time of the prophets looked at the prophets as being
1: crazy. Well, exactly. I mean, that statement that is given to crazy people is a bit weird. Because (laughs) maybe it is it that determines the insanity. You you understand? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not not that one statement. Once prophecy was given to sane people and they sounded a certain way, and then it was given to crazy people, it was always given to people just that sometimes it, they were termed to be prophets and another yeah. time they were termed yeah. to be crazy people. Yeah. And when we look at crazy, we sort of can break it down to see that it's how people live the relationship of their intellect with their emotions, with their imagination. You know, a crazy person doesn't have like delineation in their family. Mm-hmm. What, where they're behaving from. Mm-hmm. So this idea. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it seems, I think another, another question is, when a prophet receives prophecy, clearly, just merely, I think, by that transmission, the world is affected. Right? What comes through is affecting the entire world. So how that gets translated by the prophet almost seems to not matter in a sense because Whatever it is to come through, it's bound to be happening. I, mean, I keep going back to the Ten Commandments in Mount Sinai.
2: The words were coming, but that lightning and the thunder and all of that going on was, you
1: know, definitely like you know deadly. So it seems like when we're not in this world or the time of prophecy anymore, we must be moving towards something else. You know that
0: well, actually, we were moving towards a return of prophecy <coughs> because all of our traditions say very clearly that when Mashiach comes, <coughs> prophecy will not just return; it will be available. <coughs> it will it will it will have a different consciousness <coughs> altogether, which hopefully we'll get into. This gets <coughs> back very much what we talked about in reincarnation about the matrix about this state of consciousness where past, present and future are all existing because on one level on one level when a message is given to a prophet and it's usually about what will happen in the future, so what is happening that the, the God is allowing or the person has reached that level and God is making it more accessible where the future becomes known in the present and and that's the part of prophecy that everyone has a little bit of everyone has a little bit, because see it's happening past, present and future are all happening simultaneously it's just that virtually never can we access that and, but every once in a while, whether it's a dream, or a thought, or, and, and usually is very ordinary, very ordinary, and we don't put so much emphasis on it, where uh, just you, you think of someone that you haven't thought of in, in years, right, and you come home, and there's a message in your email box from this person,
4: mm-hmm. right,
2: and, you, and
0: for one minute you go,
2: Wow, that's
0: incredible! But we don't really think about like how does that, how like what's happening here? How does that happen? And, and it's not like like a prophet. We worked. It just we get these flashes. And I don't I don't know if anyone can give an answer why we get them at what time. And it doesn't seem that we're doing anything. Or we get these just feelings. that's the way something is going to be and a, a week later it happens exactly like that it's like wow it's like, or, or even sometimes you think a thought and someone will say it a minute later right? and the, so that tells us it's still like it's accessible so we're told that when the Sheikh comes that this level of consciousness will be just opened up that's what we say the the, the Rambam completes the Mishnah Torah with the quote from Isaiah that when Meshach comes mm-hmm. that the knowledge of God will cover the world like the waters cover the, the seabed mm-hmm. and so this is connected also to what you said about Mount Sinai because Mount Sinai was what, what we'll call a mass prophetic experience. So much so, exactly the way it's described. All the people shook. And Taurus does that. We shook and our souls left our bodies. it was, because why? Because we told that God revealed Himself in a way that not never before and never after. He revealed himself. So that kind of experience that like people like lost it. Mm-hmm. And then they ran to motion and said, You talk together. Like we, we can't we can't live. We can't it's just too much. And then God says says, Okay, they are right. But I did this that that the awe of God will be upon them. That the awe of God will be upon them. So this really was a mass prophetic experience.
3: That they couldn't handle. That they couldn't handle, yeah. And, that then, they
0: handle.
1: and it makes sense there, that? actually, that they then went off to yeah. the Golden calf.
2: <laughs> 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 so I always have a problem with that. How could you come yeah. from
1: an experience of Mount Sinai where God is so revealed and so clear and everything you've gone through in Egypt and crossing the Yamsu,
3: and
1: then
0: go make a golden I It's always been. Remember, we, but you you asked us yeah, a couple of weeks I know, ago. I, yeah,
3: I, right? I, so I, I answered the best that I could. I just I I just
0: look at ourselves. I know. Right on Shabbos, we're like, we are so pure and heavenly and blissful, and right. And, and two minutes after Havdalah, we're like, ay, ay, ay.
2: It's
0: just. I don't know. I know, but 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 we are the people. We're the people made the golden calf. I mean, maybe in like terms of
1: reincarnation, that if all those souls left, they didn't all go back; they got all switched up and, around. and so.
0: Now that is an interesting concept. concept. All
1: different people, mm-hmm. and still some souls left over to get here and there and everyone. <laughs>
0: Mm-hmm. That is a very interesting.
2: <laughs> I really have to think about that.
0: We just assume that all of us are back into the same bodies. You know, you wars and I
1: mean you're
0: you're right? Yeah. No, you, no, 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 you have, you have,
1: mm. <laughs> you have a point. Right?
4: Uh,
0: you definitely have a point there.
4: Yeah. <laughs> they say that sometimes
3: the summers change, like during people's lives, yeah, yeah. even. Yeah, yeah.
0: And then all of a sudden the person has a completely
2: different personality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
3: yeah. Yeah, that, we, that we definitely learned about. By, by the way, in, in, in recent times, one of the main sources of the prophecies have been from autistic children. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, like partly here, partly there. I mean, I wouldn't mm-hmm. classify them as crazy, but they come and they, mm-hmm. they're mm-hmm. not normal. Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. Not like everybody else. Right. Mm-hmm. And also, when, and the other thing, what, is... what do you mean by that?
1: Like, like that, they, that they've that they been known to have prophecy. They've been known to
3: have prophecy, they've been known to predict things in the future. Like, children who can't express themselves about normal really? things, like, they can't say, I want an apple or something, and they've said things that are really been very.
0: Yeah, there's yeah, a lot of events in the world. A lot of talk about
3: it. Um, and the other thing is is that yeah. one of the things that has happened in recent years which goes back to what you were saying about um, an awakening of spirituality mm-hmm. is that when people have a, an experience that brings them very close to God sometimes it could be a near-death experience sometimes it could be something else then all of a sudden then like Heidi was saying before is that people flock to this energy it's like this energy has been brought into the world and they've had this amazing experience and they i they might be out they they could be out there and talking about it, and people are just running, everybody wants to hear about it they'll be on talk shows and they'll be mm-hmm. written about it and there'll be books and all different kinds of things because it's like people they want to gravitate towards this it's like magnetic yeah, magnetic that's force. So, that's so. and that that's like this moment of the like, war you know mm-hmm. it's like there's one side the prophecy from the crazy people, maybe those are the maybe they' someone are false I and. Mean,
0: Right, right. it just reminds me one time <coughs> Rav Ginsburg was discussing the phenomenon in the 60's how people would take drugs and would think they're the Mashiach mm-hmm. so he said something very very profound he said the truth is they were in touch with something very very deep because why? the Baal taught as we've learned many times that every person has a spark of Mashiach so in these experiences they actually touched that he said but the problem is that they thought they were THE Mashiach and they didn't understand that it was a spark within them that everyone has that spark and it's a very holy spark and it's good to experience that, but so many people experienced it and they, they didn't know what to do with it and then they thought they were the Mashiach. Mm-hmm. The well, why, did, why did the
1: eight period of the Prophet's end? Is there a reason for
0: that? I think it was just that we weren't on the level anymore. We weren't on. We had lost. The, the prophecy lasted into the second temple, but the second temple already was not the same as the first temple. the The level of the people was was not the same.
2: So I so
1: so that the spiritual energy has to be from the club, not just from the individual.
0: Yeah, yeah. There needs to be yeah. There needs to be a certain mm-hmm. critical mass of So it's not just the yeah. part,
1: it's not just the expression of prophecy, but it's the intake of the prophecy that mm-hmm. uh, is there any understanding why you said in the dream in the early morning it's more likely to come true? Is there any understanding why that? He, he explains
0: in the Gemara that they ask, "Well, why is that?" And remember, this is two thousand years before dream research, <laughs> which now tells us that we dream an average of seven dreams a night. Mm-hmm. So Rabbi Yochanan said because dreams in the earlier part of the the evening. Are more likely replays from the day, mm-hmm. just getting the, the unconscious of getting out its mm-hmm. what we describe as sweating, mm-hmm. getting out its impurities, mm-hmm. and by the morning already that the imagination has gotten out the the, the unrectified. Parts and so he said it's more likely that something in the early morning will be coming from a more clarified level of consciousness. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really makes sense. And that just reminds me of wakeful dreaming. And they say it's the gap
1: between the thoughts, so it's more likely to come from a higher state. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. Wakeful dreaming, so they get. Oh, wakeful
1: dreaming. The the daydreaming. I've had that. Not even exactly daydreaming, which is great too. Yeah. I've done it. You know, it's like a vision. Not yeah. 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 mm-hmm. mm-hmm. like it's not many prophets. Yeah. Like inspiration, really. What yeah. I'm wondering about is other um, religions and their use of the word prophet. Like, there's no God, but God and Allah is his prophet, or the Buddha, or Jesus, or whatever key figure um, other religions.
0: I think the, the the difference. I think the difference is, let's say, by the Buddha, he doesn't claim that God spoke to him and gave him a message. In other words, he he reached the level of consciousness, and whatever he gave over to the world was a result of that consciousness.
1: Well, how about Mohammed?
0: So that is very connected. First of all, uh, as far as I understand. His claim was only that the angel Gabriel spoke to him and that all of the Quran comes from his connection to the angel Gabriel and in the New Testament also you don't see you don't see quotes of God speaking to him he gives over his message and his father is assume that it's a divine message and it's coming from God but see, there is a difference that's what makes the prophets so unique is they come and claim to speak in God's name which is like a very you know so when we talk about the prophetic tradition we we're talking about something very, very Jewish here I'm not saying no other people have the concept of God speaking to them like I say, we assume that if you're, a, if you're a Christian, that you assume that God spoke to him. But so I'm just saying, is what's recorded? We don't we don't have that same Jesus prophetic Jesus tradition. What? Okay,
3: that Jesus is
1: God. What? Okay, so there's different. Okay, there's different. There's, a trend, there's different types. but so I'm just saying,
0: if you look at the New Testament, it's not that he's speaking in God's name. again, again it's assumed that he's acting. Mm-hmm. As, as an example of what God wants in the world but that's why the prophetic tradition is a very unique claim it's a unique claim
3: messengers, like yeah. giving them
0: yeah. judgment yeah. yeah okay so I, I say one thing for the end because I told you I didn't bring the dulcimer but part of what I was uh, looking as far as sources uh we mentioned many, many times in our learning about reincarnation that the writings of the Ari are divided into eight sections called the eight gates and one of them was Gilgulim but another one is Ruach HaKodesh Shar Ruach HaKodesh the gate of holy inspiration so obviously Ares, I'll a lot to say about this so I began to, to learn it and it's not exactly what I, I, I thought it would be because it's mostly after a very short introduction Remember, it doesn't, it's not called the gate of prophecy it's called the gate of, of, of inspiration after a relatively short introduction he goes in to a, a good part of his system of what are called Yehudim Yehudim unifications where he begins to give over how to unify different letters and especially God's names as kavanas for certain mitzvot or certain prayers or certain occasions and when we we get to it we'll see that these are obviously that that he put this whole system into the gate of Ruach HaKodesh means obviously that this was the system that he was using and he was suggesting to others but in the beginning uh, and I can't say I I totally understand it yet one doesn't just sit down with the Arizal and like Mm -hmm. (laughs) <laughs> get up and you understand it but he begins by talking about something that we touched on but he gives it over in a little different way where he explains the concept which is even brought in the Talmud it's not a total uh, what we'll call Kabbalistic uh, unknown hidden concept, this idea that our our words And our actions, and especially our mitzvot, create angels. And the way it's given in the the Gemara is our mitzvot create defenders. And our sins create prosecutors. Again, we're talking symbolically, we're talking about energy, but since we've said many many different times that everything that we think and we say and we do has an effect in the world nothing gets lost everything has an effect most of the time we have no concept what what it is but we but we believe that everything has an effect
1: it kind of comes with the theory that energy can't ...can never be destroyed in right. The was law of uh, so
0: conservation.
1: Conservation of energy. And so conservation of energy. It, it, it seems like a logical extension of oh, that. Yeah. yeah,
2: exactly.
0: Exactly. So the Arizal begins his whole discussion about the idea that through our voice we create these angels and like I say he doesn't go into great detail explaining like why and how and, but he, he says it very very clearly that this is what's happening and he says like the more clarified our voices and the more kavana behind our voice he's talking about he's talking specifically about, about praying and and doing mitzvah which is why we're told even in Shimon Aser which is sometimes called the silent Prayer, we're still told you have to move your lips.
2: Yeah.
0: There's a there's a disagreement whether your ear has to hear what your lips are saying, or it's good enough just to move your lips. But everyone, without exception, says you have to move your lips in all of prayer. But I, I only mentioned the this, this Shemoneh but Sometimes we call it the silent prayer. So, but that's also called call. It's also called a voice. Someone went out asked Rabbi Nachman, how loud do you have to daven? So he said, you have to daven so loud that no one hears you.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Meaning you have to be screaming your, your guts out and no one has to hear you.
2: <laughs>
0: In some breast of places, they do scream. <laughs> really scream. And there is a whole shita stolen. The stolen chassidim—they, mm. yeah, from the beginning of Suki the Zimra to the end—they are screaming their davening. They
1: would have
0: No, no, not that And they would
1: have been kicked out of shiska as you yeah. know. and then
0: you have all. Oh, 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 then you have the ones that just—they
1: just—they don't move. When I, right. My husband told me he went to Oman a few years ago, and he was saying that um, like during the davening on and, and Rosh Hashanah during the davening you know when they would say like you know Baruch HaDoshul you know that people would like scream and yell he said it was like Bob Dylan just walked in. <laughs> so there it was like there you know um, and it really sort of gave me this uh, sort of view of what you know that kind of davening like the presence you can't like when you know you're at a concert like that. You can't help but scream, and you know it just comes out of you. What mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
2: mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
1: well, are there like, other creatures, like creations, able to do? With the, like animals in nature? Yes, yeah. yeah. anthropomorphized well, like by
2: humans. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so can you, they
4: elevate themselves? That mm-hmm.
0: the they you can can
1: that. That. Right. right. We'll
0: like on a level. Yeah, I would say in we'll general, general, no. But they care for their young. No, but if um, yeah, and their nephesh level, yeah, that, that, that's, a mitzvah, uh, but, that's
3: a mitzvah. But. What? <laughs>
0: right, right. So I was thinking that there are these stories where animals like save people's lives yeah, right. and everything. So you could say that, and, and there's also with Gilguling that, uh, I mean we're told specifically, but in, in, in shafting that an animal actually mm-hmm. has has a tikkun, has an elevation by jumping
2: into your job yeah. is yeah. <laughs> But I, I don't well, say, just in
0: general on a on a conscious level, I don't think we think of animals doing mitzvah from a conscious level. Like I said, they could save someone's life, Tree. and we certainly call that a mitzvah. But what do
3: trees do? I've heard much more about trees. Um, I mean, trees, first when we say the bracha on the tree because yeah. if they message somebody, like in this one, because they may be an islamic chap and sang there. And also, I mean, trees, I've heard, do serve God. But they are also, they still yes. have their own level he, of yeah. service. If,
0: if you look in the mystical power of music, so there's a whole thing about mm-hmm. how all creation mm-hmm. serves God. And there is a certain amount of consciousness there. Eh? have to give a little bit more thought exactly how to answer. Do animals do so like that like it seems like you can answer from like ten different perspectives. Maybe yes, maybe no, maybe sometimes. Okay, so let me just end with with uh, this idea. So so the Arizal says that when a prophet receives prophecy, he's hearing it through his own voice and he connects that voice with the voice that is creating these angels
2: and he talks about the concept of a Magid and
0: angels that come and and reveal Torah to different sages so I thought because I didn't bring my dulcimer so I'll sing I'll sing and we can um Try to meditate to that also, and, and hopefully give people inspiration and incentive to use their own voice as a means of reaching a higher level of consciousness.
4: Mm-hmm. So, 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 okay. So the yeah, the
3: Vibration. Okay.
0: So the next one that I'll do is. To me, this touches a little bit on prophecy because for each one of my children, after we knew that they, that my wife is pregnant, at some point in the pregnancy, a nigan would come to me.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I would know that this is the nigan for mm-hmm. our unborn
1: oh. child. Do you have one
0: for Hialeah? Yeah, so that's what I'm you. So actually, was interesting, though, is... Um, actually two nigunim came down but I didn't know that my daughter was pregnant but it turns out that the niguning came after she was I mean I don't know exactly but more or less during the months that they weren't telling anyone
2: <laughs> so
0: but when I heard that she was pregnant it became clear to me that these Nigunim were like part of that process. no other him. This is just like this must must be done. So I'll do the, the one is a very joyous one, but I'll do the the more meditative meditative one. And I, I just I just think it's a, it's, it's a, an incredible concept that our voice creates a certain energy, but then it, it comes back to us. And we, and we we receive inspiration and prophecy through our own voice that's it's just I haven't t- totally absorbed the full ramifications of that but it you can feel that it. it's, it's just such a, a beautiful idea <coughs>
4: Give <tries> it up. up no.